This is a Jesus Hacks mini-sode, meaning it's a more relaxed episode featuring conversations I have with people rather than the normal narrative interview. In this mini-sode, I talk with my friend Bryn Clark, who's a known pacifist. For me, this conversation comes at a crucial time. In an age of terrorists, I'm really struggling with what's the response of Christ to violence? What's the ethic I should be promoting when so many people want to bring justice to terrorists and villains across the world? That's what Bryn and I sit down to discuss. So you're listening to the Jesus Hacks Podcast. Let's get started. So, Bryn, tell us briefly the story of how you became a pacifist. Yeah, so so, <laughs> so I was raised in a Christian household, uh, the son of a military officer. My father was a fighter pilot, actually. Think, think Top Gun, but without the annoying music. Drives me nuts. And his father, my grandfather, was a pilot in World War II. Uh, so I was raised with a deep appreciation uh, and admiration for military members. And so it was no surprise that when I began thinking about my future, I thought about a mili- military career. So I joined the Army at the bright, mature age of age 17. I signed a contract with the Army Reserve Officer Training Corps, or ROTC, which, if you're not familiar, is a scholarship program that provides tuition and training um, for students who then commission as officers when they graduate and have to um, serve some time in the military after that. So it's, it's a really, it's a great deal. Um, huge benefit, free tuition and job. And especially for someone like me who wanted to study creative writing, it was, um, it was a great alternative to being otherwise probably homeless upon graduation. So I didn't hesitate to join. And the ironic part is that from the start, um, from the beginning of my time with the military, I was actively and routinely outspoken against anything smelling even vaguely of pacifism. But it was a couple of years later uh, that I, man, that I that I really began to rethink my position on military service, particularly as it related to the inevitable use of violence. I encountered the writings of several modern day radicals like Shane Claiborne, um, and particularly his story of going to Iraq and living with the Christian communities in Baghdad during President Bush's infamous shock and awe campaign. Um, that in particular really kind of reached out and grabbed me. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, Claiborne in many ways annoyed the hell out of me at the time. Uh, but it was annoyance uh, that took seed within me and eventually pushed me to allow myself to ask questions that I'd never really asked before. Uh, how do I reconcile the idea of killing to defend America with Christ's call to love my enemies? Why does Christ choose not to use force, and yet I am readily enabled and equipped to use force against quote-unquote evil? Um, which, for that matter, brings up the great question, what is evil? Specifically, are the American people and their military endeavors always on the right side of the moral spectrum? The whole thing really is unsettling um, to think about, and it was unsettling for me. Uh Unsettling, I, I like to think, uh, the way most encounters with Jesus sometimes are. And it all came to a climax one day when I was at the firing range. Uh, so I 
sometimes tell people that I became a pacifist on the firing range. I was being trained on an M240, which if you're not familiar, is one of the more commonly used machine guns. It weighs about as much as a small whale. And I remember looking down the range with the butt of the gun against my shoulder and aiming for the target, uh, about to squeeze the trigger. And the target, which was a in the shape of a human, but very blank, um, nondescript shape, it was suddenly, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, transfigured. Uh, no longer did I see a target. I saw a human. A human with quirks and habits. A human with parents and siblings. A human with passions and beliefs, hopes and dreams. A human who in a different place, a different time, a different paradigm could have possibly been uh, my friend. And I, I, I don't want to over-spiritualize the scene, but it was close, as close to an epiphany, um, as close to a burning bush-type divine encounter uh, as I've ever had. Because in that moment, I stopped looking through the side of my barrel and I began looking through the eyes of Christ. And when I did that, I... Didn't see a target. I couldn't see a target. Um, all I could see was one of God's children, and I couldn't pull the trigger. At this moment, I was taken aback by Bryn's description of his target being a child of God. I mean, this isn't how we typically label our villains. To us, people are either heroes worthy of saving or monsters meant to be destroyed. But how often do we look at these people as children of God? So, we had this conversation before about pacifism and Jesus, and I remember um, in that conversation, you said this one line that really struck me. You said that uh, we have to acknowledge in our current broken world that pacifism it just can't exist for every single individual in all circumstances. I mean, if a person breaks into your home, you'll probably have to subdue them with violent means. So, here's my question for you. Explain this line a little bit. Where do you draw the line between the way of violence and the way of Jesus? Yeah. um, hmm. So, I think it's, it's not a matter of where you draw the line so much as how you draw the line. Uh, and I think the answer to that is that you have to draw it with humility. Uh, Christ said to be meek and approachable as children, um, yet oftentimes we are confident moralists, Pharisees, um, if you will. And I found that pacifists can be the worst offenders in that sense. Uh, you know, I, I live in an upper middle class apartment complex in a safe neighborhood of a safe suburb of a reputedly safe and prosperous city. Um, the the idea the the threat of violence both to myself and those I love is one with which I I just don't have to regularly contend or contend. Um, I I mean it's it's very unlikely um, that I will ever have to face the prospect of watching my wife and children be murdered um, and have to choose between that or disobeying the commands of Christ. Um, so I can't look you in the eye and tell you I wouldn't react with violence to violence. I can tell you that I shouldn't, that this is wrong, 
Um, but it's all hypothetical, and perhaps you can't find an atheist, but you truly cannot find a pacifist in a foxhole. Um, and I believe that an ethic is only worth as much as it costs the one who holds it, and mine costs me very little. So while I stand by it, while I espouse it, I can't actually claim it as my own with any sort of um, quantifiable personal integrity, if you will. That said, I one of the things I'm constantly coming back to and pretty convicted by is um, that persecuted Christians are often the ones who hold strongest to their belief in nonviolence, uh, particularly and and most um, just most importantly, and I think at the forefront is the first century Christians, those who were in many cases walking um, in the literal paths of Christ. Their refusal to serve in the military service or kill in the service of Caesar uh, led to literally thousands of them being slaughtered and tortured. There's an there's a fairly infamous account that's gone down as kind of a mythological account in some ways of an entire battalion of Roman soldiers who converted to Christianity and uh, were were killed as a result. So it it just it brings to the forefront. Um, it begs the question of what lunacy would lead someone to do this, would lead someone to renounce uh, their ties to the military, renounce their lifestyle, renounce Caesar as it was, um, and refuse to raise a sword not only for Caesar, but in defense against Caesar. Um, what would lead someone to do this? And the answer is love. Um, you know, it says that a for a good man, many might die, um, but for an evil enemy, who might who might die for him? And the answer is um, the one who has love. So then, talk about the way of Jesus and peace. What's your view on what the peace of Jesus looks like? Yeah, so um, the peace of Jesus, or the peace of Christ, let me articulate this, it it looks like the acceptance of hate, anger, violence, and pain upon um, upon oneself while only responding in love. Um, what I mean by that is if death is the culmination of evil, both in an existentialist and in a very practical way, then we gain nothing by combating death with death. Um, Christ didn't, and he never... He never asked us to do this to do that. Um, what Christ said, what Christ did, um, and what Christ demands was that we defeat death by dying, that we might be raised again. Um, too often, you know, too often we over spiritualize this command of Christ. Um, we hear "Take up your cross and follow me" and think, "My, what a wonderful bumper sticker that might make." But this was an offensive, traitorous statement for a devout Jew to make to other Jews. Uh, I mean, crucifixion was not an isolated occurrence in Christ's time. He wasn't the only one to meet such a fate, and the, the Jews at that time lived under the shadow of their loved one hanging on a cross. Um, the shadow of their brother, sister, their husband, um, tortured and hanging, left to die. Um, many times the Romans wouldn't crucify Jews, they would crucify Jews, excuse me, who hadn't even committed um, an offense. 
they were just in the wrong place or had the wrong friends or the wrong thing at the very wrong time. Uh, really, most crucifixions were just sadistic flauntings of power by the empire. Um, it was their way of saying, we do this to you because we do whatever the hell we want and you can't stop us. Um, there was one such instance, and this is just uh, one gruesome example, when following a rebellion, uh, the Romans crucified so many Jews on the roads leading to and from Jerusalem that they actually ran out of wood with which to make the crosses. Um, so in this context, uh, this is this is the context into which Christ walks and says, the way of my disciples is the way of the cross. Um, it's as offensive a statement as American during World War II saying, you know, what we should really do is go join the Jews in the gas chambers. What So what I'm trying to say by that is that in following in Christ's footsteps, um, if it does not lead us to radically depart from the societal and social norm, uh, then we are not following in his footsteps. Um, and this isn't uh, radicalism for the sake of being radical. It is, um, it is intentionality and love for the sake of Christ. Many people would say that anyone who would watch his wife and children be murdered without using violence to stop them is, is a bastardly coward. Uh, but remember what people sneered at Christ while he hung on the cross. Um, I mean, paraphrasing Matthew twenty-seven forty-two, it was, you know, it was ha, you're you're the king of Israel. Then why aren't you saving yourself? Um, no, you're just uh, you're just another another pathetic rebel who was subdued by the Romans. Um, so the peace of Christ is it's offensive to humanity, particularly in this case. I've found to an American culture that is founded by Christians who were rooted really more in enlightenment vernacular and ethics uh, than in first century understanding of scripture and uh, thus a contemporary understanding of Christ and Christ's uh, life. Um, which is to say, again, that it's hard to emulate the radical peace of Christ in our American context. For me, it meant an intentional move away from a military career in combat arms. But let's I've got to be honest this is like saying I'm going to go on a diet once I just drink diet coke instead of regular coke uh, it's not a sacrifice nor is it really require deep discipline and that's why real pacifism deep pacifism is ironically not passive at all but very very active um, the peace of Christ affects the neighborhoods you choose to live in the way you treat strangers, particularly those of different races, religions, and socioeconomic classes, and the very fabric around which you center your life. Um, what is it that make you nervous, makes you nervously lock your doors when you drive through a bad part of town? Why is there a handgun stashed in, your, in a shoebox in your closet? Uh, again, hear me you. I live in a ridiculously white, privileged, and sheltered context. When I leave my car door unlocked, I come back and find a nice note. Um, the last person to intrude our, our home was a neighbor for whom we left the door unlocked so they could grab um, some cookies from our fridge, uh, albeit they took far too many. But my point is not that I've arrived at some level of living out Christ's peace and I'm shouting down to the rest of you from my, or to anyone for that matter, um, from my ivory tower. That's not what I intend to do at all. I'm... 
I'm merely asking the question of myself and others, should they care to listen? Do we Christians live life in a posture of defense against the world and all the ways that it can harm us? Or do we live with the love of Christ and thus live lives of intentional vulnerability, lives that answer death with love and thus beat evil at its own game? And that's the question that I think we ought to ask. This question is complicated and is made even more complex by our times. But I appreciated Bryn's response and the insight he offered me. It's hard for me to state my definitive position on this matter, but one thing I can say after this conversation is that the peace of Christ is radical in both big ways and small ways. What I mean is, to exhibit peace toward the person who cuts you off on the road, that's radical. Also, to stand with the ethic of peace while someone you love is murdered, that's also radical. While I might not experience the latter, I experience the former all the time in daily life. So while I'm still perplexed on this matter, I'm choosing to start with the peace of Christ in my small daily endeavors. I hope you do the same, no matter what you believe. Thanks for listening to this Jesus Hacks mini-sode. For companion materials and show notes to this episode, check out JesusHacks.com.